Whether it's digital or analog design that keeps you busy, today it's all about the experience. This is Experience by Design, a podcast exploring the latest trends and solutions helping create the most intriguing experiences you can imagine and the ones you can't. Hosted by Brian Mazaros. Welcome to another episode of the Experience by Design podcast. I'm your host, Brian Mazaros, and today we welcome Josh Goldblum, founder and CEO of Blue Cadet. Blue Cadet is an award-winning, internationally recognized experience design agency focused on producing transformative digital products and environments. They work with cultural institutions, universities, and mission-driven organizations and brands. Past clients include MoMA, Harvard, Princeton, the Smithsonian Institution, National Geographic, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's a pleasure to welcome Josh to the show. Welcome. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for jumping on. Appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I actually thought of you the other day as I was I, I was through your neck of the woods. I was in uh, Fishtown and uh, I, uh, I stopped in to uh, fed a sow because I had to get some some barbecue to take home with me. So I was like, oh, I'm right around the corner from from you guys. Yeah, <laughs> where we should be probably. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I actually. So how are you? Oh, go on. Oh, sorry. sorry, sorry, Brian. Go on. No, 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 please. So I was gonna say, so how how are you doing? You know, how how is everything? And 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 if you could just even just talk a little bit about what you guys have been up to and who you are. Sure, sure. Um, so Blue Cadet, uh, I think you guys I think did a really good job introing the studio. Uh, there's about sixty of us. There's about forty five of us in Philly, another fifteen up in New York, and uh, we're an experience design studio. We work across interactive environments. Um, we do physical experience design. And then we also uh, do digital product work and we have a content studio as well. Um, but, you know, we're talking in the middle of uh, COVID, you know, this is 2020. And, uh, you know, some of us are sort of spread out all over the place. Um, I was uh, out of town for a while and my kids are back in school. So I'm back in Philadelphia. Uh, but we have people all over the country right now working. And I mean, honestly, things are going pretty well. Uh, we've always uh, been really good at communicating across digital platforms and you know, we're very digitally native. So <clears throat> shifting a lot of our processes to things like Zoom and Mural, like it kind of worked. Uh, I think we're producing some of our best work. And you know, there was a point where we pivoted a lot of our work from experience design, like physical spaces uh, over to digital product. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing a huge uptick now back towards experience design. and. Uh, it, it honestly, we're 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 busy. Uh, things are things seem to be trending in the right direction. I've got a five week old at home, so uh, it, it also a three year old <laughs> nice. and a seven year old. So uh, my life See, is a you've little had insane. A very interesting year. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a strange year. I, I call this a pre pandemic plan, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm, it's a, it's mm-hmm. actually it's a it's it's been it's been actually kind of great. I mean, I I'm like you, Brian. I'm, you know, I was on the road a lot before this, and you know, I was on planes a lot and in many many different cities and. It's actually been kind of remarkable just, you know, staying in one place and, um, you know, it's it's changed the pace of life a little bit and it's actually kind of working out pretty well for us. Isn't it kind of funny you you go from just nonstop jumping on a plane and and client meetings and all of a sudden it's, it's a, you hit the wall and then you got to get used to sort of this new, I hate saying new norm because it's so, ah, so overused, but this new reality of conducting business really virtually. Yeah, absolutely. With clients and meetings and teams and, and whatnot. Yeah. Do you, how do you find it's been like the relationship with your clients? Has, has, how, how has that changed? Uh, you know, I, I would say that 
a lot of the client work has been going really well. I mean, I, I think we figured out how to conduct meetings over these different platforms. I think, honestly, it takes a lot of trickery to uh, to make Zoom and Google Sheets and Slide.io and Mural, all those things work together in a way that like allows you to have like a natural meeting. And like, you know, we're, we're very workshop heavy at Blue Cadet. We, we're very process oriented and we love to do these sort of collaborative physical workshops. We do things like body storming where we're building things in physical environments and testing things out. There's a lot of building and play to our process. And I mean, that part has been kind of tricky to, to map to these sort of new uh, digital tools. Um, but, you know, honestly, we're, we're making a good go of it. I mean, we're actually seeing a ton of R&D happening. Um, in, uh, you know, at, where, while people are at home, you know, we've shipped uh, some of our team members projectors and LiDAR cameras and all sorts of uh, hardware. And, you know, we're, we're actually doing a lot of really, really great work. And then as far as the clients go, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a, there's a weird intimacy uh, to these Zoom meetings and these Google meetings. You know, you get to see where people actually live. You get to see them in their environment. Um, you know, like we're constantly being bombed by our children. Um, and there's something kind of human about it. And I think there's also, you know, most of our clients are pretty understanding and, you know, we, um, you know, I, I think we've developed good relationships so that we were able to kind of keep the work going. And, and honestly, I, I have to say, I'm like incredibly proud of the studio. I think the quality of work has actually never been better. Well, I think there's something to be said about, you know, with, with everyone, I think you, everyone through, went through that period in the beginning, it's, it's, what do we do? And then when you start to kind of get into more of a comfort zone. Then, uh, then I think you, that's when you started to see a lot of agencies, I think, started to get back to, hey, this isn't that different. And we can still, like you said, produce a quality of work. But, but I, also, I also think, too, um, you know, it also goes to the type of people that you bring in to the organization. You know, there's, there's and I, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I kind of, you know, the people that I've met from Blue Cadet, I mean, there's, there's an entrepreneurial mindset, I think, to a certain extent that I kind of find in, in your culture to where there's, that's just that motivation. You know, which I think some organizations have and some don't, and I think that reflects in the quality of work. That's that's the output. Oh well, I'm, I'm glad I'm I'm glad to hear that we're, we're perceived that way because I I think you're right. Um, and I and I think that there's like something in the studio where we're constantly looking to kind of reinvent and innovate and like we that's a, that's a lot about how we approach our work. But I think we're kind of like always up for a challenge. I mean, we're always up for trying things differently. Um, I'd also say the the thing that's interesting is you know we've you know, the New York studio um, and the Philly studio, we've always collaborated, you know, it's never been like two completely separate camps. So we were always kind of used to collaborating online and like sharing files and, you know, uh, having these teams that were blended, you know, across different places. So in some ways it was weird, like when everything went virtual, we were actually pretty well adapted to it. You know, we were already kind of used to making that work. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think, like I, I think we just look at everything as kind of a design problem, you know. Like, how do you how do you how do you make this work, and like how do you optimize for it? And um, you know, we've been doing a lot of thinking around like all the limitations of Zoom because you know, as as experience designers, I think anytime we sort of see a platform or a system, you know, we're always trying to figure out like, okay, how do you how do you optimize the system? How do you make it work? And um, you know, we're, I think as long as you stay curious, you know, you don't get too discouraged. Well, it's. It, I think it's been interesting. I mean, you, you talked about experimenting, and and I kind of feel like you've, you. I mean, just in general, that there's there's been this tale of two two sides to an agency over this period. You know, you've you've seen. I'm sure you've seen. You've seen agencies that have chased trends that are more short term. You know, short term solutions, whether it's to to try to bring in business, and then you've seen agencies that I think have really kind of used this time to experiment and think about either existing technologies or 
or new technologies and how they can play a role in future experiences based upon behavior shifts. And, you know, I've obviously I've noticed, you know, I follow you guys on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and, and other channels, but I've noticed that you've been, you know, doing a lot of experimenting from the home, which is, which is awesome to see that, but from, you know, AR to touchless tech and, so, you know, I mean, what have you guys learned? I mean, what, what has been sort of, you kind of talked to a little bit about the mindset, but, you know, what have been the learnings that you, you've had from you and the team? Oh, absolutely. I, so it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, we've always been looking for different ways to, to express ourselves and to like create new types of interactions in physical space. And I think we, we're also like very wary of, of certain solutions. So, you know, I mean, honestly, we've probably deployed like a thousand touch screens. You know, we've done tons and tons of touch walls. We've done lots of projection. Um, and, you know, we're always like looking at it and we're like, is this, is this like the best we can do? Is it like magical? Like it does it does it serve the content well? Is this like contemporary experience design? So a lot of the stuff that we were doing in terms of a camera vision, and gesture and uh, AI machine learning that, that was those were prototypes and those were projects that all sort of predated COVID. I mean, we were already thinking about that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and, and like, honestly, we weren't thinking about it because we were like, oh my God, like COVID's everywhere. No one's going to want to touch a screen. It was like mostly like these screens don't serve the content that well and they're kind of boring um, yeah. and like not magical. So, you know, we'd already been thinking a lot about like AR and how to sort of blend um the you know people's devices with the physical environment thinking about gesture looking at you know some trends that had nothing to do with COVID. i mean there's we were tracking the trends with 5g uh, and tracking some of the trends with uh, ar um and you know mach- you know internet of things and you know various various things are already happening in the market and we're like and we just want to keep ahead of that stuff um and like mm-hmm. and also we're just kind of geeked out by this stuff we want to we want to make sure that like we're using a contemporary tool set to express ourselves and which is not to say that like we're always trying to push like the most contemporary technology because like sometimes it's just totally inappropriate and like honestly yeah. we're, we're like the first ones to like kill a technology um but you know it's it, it's stuff that interests us and you know it's, it's just it's just different ways that we can like kind of express and solve different problems you know, it's, it's, I mean, we've been kind of the same too. And then some of the experiments and, and things that we've been going after and, and thinking about, but I'm, I'm curious on your take on, you know, everyone around touchless, you know, touchless experiences. And, and I think you're absolutely spot on. I mean, it's, it's nothing new. These were conversations and experiments that were going on last year and, and right up to, to COVID happening. And so, you know, I think obviously there's a little bit different than thought now what, what happens next year, but I'm really curious with touchless and, and your your thoughts on it. You know, I'm I'm a little bit indifferent. You know, I look <laughs> yeah. at it from are are people, you know, all of a sudden are they familiar and can they think of, of, of how to perform those actions that you're asking them? Use your hands, you know, these these gestures or not to touch. And then I also look at it from, you know, there's a whole new way of thinking for the interface, you know, that that is this asking these people or prompting them to perform these actions, you know. Is it is it a is it really just they flip the switch and and everyone's going to be fine with it or, I mean, do we still have a bit of a learning curve with behaviors and 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 just being comfortable with interacting that way is is you know I think these are even questions that were happening even prior to to this I'm I'm just curious where your thoughts are and when we do kind of come back to uh, you know more of an atypical situation are we ready for a full touchless 
experience. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I'm friends with a, a lot of uh, agency owners and people who are in this space, and we've also been putting out uh, work around touchless. and And I have to say, like, I'm pretty skeptical about a lot of the thought leadership yeah, that's come yeah, around yeah. touchless because a lot of it just seems like hacks. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, here's a way to like, you know, retrofit or fix, um, you know, a touch UX experience, like something that that uses all the traditional modalities of a touch you know ui but to do it without touching an interface so things you like using things like the magic leap or um using some yep. you know camera vision stuff to, to basically move through a traditional uh ux and and like i honestly think that a lot of that stuff is just hacks you know and like I, and i think yep. a lot of people were in kind of this like diy responsive hack mode um particularly at the, at the outset of COVID. um but i think that there's other types of ways of thinking about gesture that 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 actually do sort of follow the trend line of of like where i think that they they will become more adopted um i mean so like and and that's that's really uh interactions that that make uh this is just like that feel natural that are like extensions of, of pre-existing gestures or behaviors um mm -hmm. That, that just don't take a lot of adoption. So for example, we were doing uh, uh, some work with machine learning and um, and some camera vision. And like I've actually seen some similar prototypes out there um, su subsequent to when we produced ours. But there was one where like you would do different gestures. So you'd put a thumbs up and like all the thumbs up emojis yep. would, would, would spring out. Um, and that, that was something that was on our LinkedIn. Um, and like for that like that actually was that that actually was intuitive but it also is like easier like if you then then traditional ux like if you wanted to like do an emoji and zoom like you got to click on that little like you know yep. like little icon and then you gotta select and you click it's actually really really onerous to to create like an emoji or a gesture in zoom whereas like you know doing a thumbs up or doing a thumbs down or yep. like doing a wave like th there's there's actually gestures that that would be very very easy to adopt that are very rewarding and and in all of this stuff it's you know i think there's always that idea of like what is the ease of adoption um to the reward of experience and i and i think particularly in museums and some of the public spaces that we've worked um they ask a lot of the visitor and a lot of the user to like learn a new behavior for like a really minimal reward um, and like, we're always very cognizant of that exchange, you know, like, okay, if we're going to like force you to learn some behavior, like to do something, yeah. like we have to give you like an experiential or content reward, like commensurate to that investment. Um, otherwise yeah. you're just wasting people's time and you're going to frustrate them. No, I actually like how you position that because I, I think you're actually spot on. I mean, there, there needs to be a purpose. There needs to be, it needs to make sense to the experience. Yeah, yeah. This is just the way you put it. I mean, you've seen. I mean, so many times, you, you know, it's 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 hack. It's it's forced. You yeah. Know? It, it it loses its authenticity, and you know, it's it's ignored, um, just be, because of those factors. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's it's still it's it's. You I mean you want to experiment with it, and and I think it's good too. Uh, and, and I think it's good to to try it out in a lab. Um, but I also think the other point you touch on, which is which is really true, is is that it. It varies per environment as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see use cases it within museums and a storytelling perspective, but then if you look at it in you know in retail, does yeah. doesn't necessarily do anything to the experience. I mean, um, you know, there's an example where people want to, depending upon you know what it is, um, you know, they want to touch something. They they still want to, they have that kind of interaction. So, does it really make sense to remove that and and, and turn in? entirely gestural so. oh no I, yeah and, and i would say that you know there are other things that we're we've been experimenting with in terms of you know 
using camera vision for detection, um, for like object recognition, you know, putting mm -hmm. sensors within objects that can trigger on certain surfaces, like, you know, looking at things like capacitive materials. Um, yep. So you can create interactivity without like something that feels like a screen. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different explorations. And, and I think the, I think the thing is like, how do you deliver like a great experience, like, like really good content like a, and then how do you do that in a way that just feels natural um where the tech kind of disappears um and like the and the and the, just the experience overall is enhanced ah see there there it is i mean that's that's the that's the the one point right there that you, you just drew upon you know there's there's the technology and then there's there's actually the the content the you know the visual experience that drives it um you know, I think that's that's always the it's always the battle, isn't it? Yeah, I, I sometimes liken it to like special effects in a film. You know, it's just like there there are films that are like only about special effects. Like the Transformers, like all that Michael Bay stuff is like only about special yeah. effects. Um, yep. And it's just like you know, there's no like there's barely a story there. And then you have like things that like you know Game of Thrones, like of course they ruined the ending, but like like those dragons were like incredible special effects, but like they were it was special effects in service to the story i mean in the in the seasons that were well written um, you know and that like they that like it just sort of disappears you know like they, you have this beautiful cgi thing but it's just like mm -hmm. totally in service to driving other stories like other things and, and actually in some ways so that so that the the visitor or the user is like just like not even like aware of the fact that that is like a technological marvel um, and that's and, and that, that's kind of how we're looking at it. It's like, you know, we don't want it to be like, we don't want to be any Michael Bay. Like, we don't want to be yeah. just creating <laughs> stuff where you're like, oh, my God, that's just like yeah. the shiniest thing. Um, it's yeah. just not the and like that. There's look, I'm, I'm not knocking it like that's that's a that's a good way to make a living. It's just not it's just not our approach. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. I, I think that's a fair point. So then, you know, how, I mean, looking forward, um, you know, in some of the projects that you're working on, I think even some of the past projects, you know, the, um, you know, there's a really great work that you guys had done with the Henry Ford Museum. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, there's a lot of great experiences. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great experiences that are that are there, and I invite everyone to, to take a look at your site. But, you know, do you, do you look back on a project like that? And I guess it's a two-part question. You know, looking back at a project like that, is there anything you would do differently to it based upon you know how we are now right and are there any is there anything positive out of there in terms of the approach that you would apply to new projects going forward oh that's a yeah that's a great question um so i mean one the one thing that jumps out is like one of the things that we did for the henry ford is this giant uh touch table <laughs> so it's like a, a, a mm -hmm. enormous multi-user <laughs> uh touch surface um, fingers all over no lots of Play fingers I mean, you could it. use it you could i guess you could use a stylus um, but, yeah. but what's interesting is like, it's actually, I mean, I, I, I love that project. Uh, it's called the connections table and it's worth checking out. It's quite, quite beautiful. Um, but what's actually interesting is what that is, is it like, we call it like a serendipity engine. So what it is, is it's basically you swipe your finger across the surface and there's these sort of like beautiful, colorful swirls and all these objects appear and, and the objects um, are all connected, you know, and some of them are connected by taxonomy. So like we actually went in with a curator and they connected the, the different collections by different terms. And um, it creates these sort of like randomized chains where you can see how these different objects are related. And then there's also an entire layer there that was actually created by machine learning. Um, so actually using the StyleGAN um, uh, model, you know, we ran about 200,000 objects through this through this machine learning algorithm through an AI. Um, and it created all these different kind of connections 
through the through their collections that like a curator would never really pick up on or it would just be like so so time intensive um because like the taxonomy is like a couple hundred objects and it took months um for the curators to tag everything and do that you know the 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 um the ai was able to to, you know create many 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 more connections um around materiality around shape around color um around thing you know all these different sort of vectors um, much, much faster. And, it, and, and then it w- was actually really cool is once the AI understood the collection, um, it could actually generate new, what it would consider new objects. So it could say like, okay, well, you know, this looks like a, a, a plausible um, collection object. It would create like a glass dress um, or like a telephone that was, you know, you know made out of, um, you know, tile or wood, you know, it would just mash up things. Um, and it, would, it was really, really cool. And the thing is, like, you know, like, of course, like the, the final interface that we have, you know, which is this like touchscreen, um, like in this shared environment, like, that might not be great right now. Like, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if that's like how mm-hmm. you would want to like, you know, de- devise a, a COVID condition interface. Um, but the underlying content and the underlying like the, the basic story um, and the connections that we have there are like, I think, incredibly valid. Um, and now we're talking to Henry about like, OK, well, how do you take that? that stuff that we created, you know, with the AI and then like, how do we, you know, present it in different ways? Like how could someone explore that on their phone? How could, you know, how could we, you know, turn that into, into some like social objects? Like how do we create interfaces that are a little bit more um, uh, kind of conditioned to the, to this moment, Um, you know, using, you know, using the the core story and the content that we developed. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting. I like how you sort of, you know, lay that out and, and thinking. I mean, I, I'm really curious just, just in, you know, with AI in general, mm-hmm. um, you know, and where, where do you see that kind of playing in um, just, just for a future, just for, for storytelling and, and just even other interactives, because I, I feel like there's a lot of it is, is still untapped. I think a lot yeah. of it is we're still trying to figure out exactly the role and, 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 and what it actually can deliver. I think. Yeah. The user. Yeah. I mean, AI is a big, it's like a it's a it's a it's a big thing that that many you know many many um, types of technologies kind of like fit in and same same with AR mm-hmm. you know AR like you know there's this like conception of what AR is and then there's like all these other things that AR can be. Um, and... But I think with AI though, I mean you, you have a little bit more ability. I mean you, you're AR you're painting this visual perception, changing mm-hmm. visual perception for the user, but AI. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you need the ability to use data and other elements that are happening to alter the outcome that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's visual, but it doesn't have to be, you don't, you don't need to, you interact with it in a different sense, I guess. Is yeah, I guess it's like, you know, in some ways, like I, I, I consider AI and AR both like giant elephants, you know, you know, the, like the, you know, the blind man and the elephant, like, you know, you're touching different yeah. parts. <laughs> You're like, is it is it a tusk or a tail? Um, you yeah. know, they're they're both really there. There's there's a lot there's a lot of different types of um, experiences, and there's a lot of capabilities that, that are sort of packed into those like simple acronyms. Um, so like for AI, you know, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've been looking at is like, um, you know, image recognition and, and gesture recognition. So you know, for example, like that uh, that thing that we did where you could. Um, do a different gesture, like the thumb ups, thumbs up gesture, and it says, "Oh, that's that guy's doing the thumbs up." I know what that is. Like we were able to do that because we trained the AI 
on lots and lots and lots and lots of different gestures so that it, so suddenly mm -hmm. when you did that it knows what it knows what you're doing and then like it could it could respond to it so there's some really really interesting things you could do um with object recognition gesture recognition just things like that um sure. so that's super cool um you know there's other things where you know you can you know in terms and that's that also goes over to voice you know being able to do things like um you know, different sort of like uh, voice interfaces, you know, things like what the Alexa yeah. would do, all that is AI driven. Um, and then there's all these sort of like creative applications for it too. So um, one of our cadets, uh, Wei Li Shi, um, did this amazing side project called TerraMars, um, where he took all of the, um, the basically the blue marble uh, NASA space imagery, like the, like the, okay. the, like the sort of the Terra, like the, the, those beautiful high resolution images of earth and then he took all these um all this data from from the from the mapping basically satellite mapping of mars and he was able to create a visualization of terraforming mars so you could see what mars would look like um with oceans and mountain ranges and stuff like that and his, and then you could do these beautiful fly throughs and it's it's unbelievably gorgeous and compelling and you know that's like and that's like a whole other side of it which is like just the expressive mm -hmm. Uh, capabilities of, of machine learning and AI, which I think are incredibly exciting. That's interesting. I, I will have to. Is is that published out there that we can? Yeah, do? yeah, yeah. If you if you Google TerraMars, uh, you, you'll find it. I it's it's not like technically a Blue Cadet project, um, but it's you know we've been using a lot of those techniques, and it, it it's it's sure. pretty unbelievable. I I might just share it on social one of these days. Well, with, no, but with see, but see, because it's really beautiful stuff. I and. It was it was actually brought it was in SIGGRAPH. Um, he's he's written some papers okay. on it. It's really really quite phenomenal. But see, this is where I go back to the original point, and and I mean, I think you know, credit to the the agency. I mean, this is the kind of culture and the entrepreneurial part that I was you know kind of referencing. I mean, it's to have team members go off and do that as a side project. Um, you know, it, it it speaks volumes because it's not just a, a job; it's a passion. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is so that's that's very cool to hear. Um, I, I have to, you know, one other, I, I've been really kind of curious in asking you this, I mean, kind of shifting away from, from AI. Yeah, of course. Um, there was a really interesting post that you guys had put on your, in your blog and, and you were looking at sort of reinventing the virtual experience online, uh, targeting Zoom. Right, right. And so, um, you know, I, I, obviously all of us in this, in this whole world have, have been on, you know, 3000 plus Zoom meetings since, since March. And uh, I'm sure it continues, whether it's Zoom, Teams, or, or, or whatnot. But um, I kind of liked the, the approach. Um, you know, I think there's some parts I'm kind of like, mm, does that really make sense? But I mean, it's trying to reinvent a virtual event, Right. I think was, was the whole gist of, of it. And I, I like the way you approached it. I think you were kind of going after more of the, the frustration, I think, from designers. And, you know, here's an experience that really isn't designed to be an experience. It's, it's, it's very blah. That's probably a better word to describe that. But... I mean, what kind of led you down this path? And, and you know, well, I, I want you to kind of explain it. I'm, I'm just kind of curious and oh, what sure. led you down this path and, and what are your thoughts behind this? So, yeah, I mean, basically the, the way that we got to those like telepresence um, explorations and is that basically I came across this company. Um, so I'm like constantly out there just like researching new tech. That's like kind of my, my point these days. Sure. Um, so I found this company... Uh, out in San Francisco, like a pretty tiny company called Daily. It was daily.co. Um, and they, they're they actually all from like MIT Media Lab. And then they went over to um, 
Oblong Industries, and this is the small, the new startup that they have. And they're do they basically are doing like like a video chat API. So like if if you wanted to do like customer service in an e-commerce app, and instead of popping up a chat window, you wanted to do video, you would use Daily. And like that's their that's their enterprise business model. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I got introduced to the uh, the founders, and it turns out that they had a really beautiful clean API. Um, and I was like, oh my god. Um, cause like Zoom's API and like some of the other companies that where, where you would create a custom video application, it just wasn't as friendly to application development. Like it just like, it, like you just couldn't prototype it in, in, the, in the way that we would want to. And I was like, oh my God, this is a really cool sandbox. Um, and then, you know, once you started think, once I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, you'd see the opportunities everywhere. Cause I mean, I would, I would mm-hmm. do, you know, one of my friends hosted a, a quizzo uh, night for, you know, just like our friends. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're doing it with Google Slides and we're doing it with Zoom. And I was like, oh, this sucks. You know, like it was so <laughs> janky. And, you know, we've been using Slide.io yeah. to create some interactivity within some of our Google Slides. But it's like an application within an application within an application. It was like, this is just ticky tacky. This is terrible. Um, and then I was like, man, we could like you could just this could be just so much better. It could be so much more integrated. There could be so much more custom UX. Uh, to create better experiences and you know we had a little bit of time um in in between projects and i just kind of like let my development team and my designers you know add it so like all the stuff that you that you see um in that website uh like in the insights article which is like all about you know it has these like kind of like beautiful animatics those are all based on like these actual prototypes that we built um where we we have like functional prototypes of all those types of experiences like looking at different sort of like spatial ui for video chat looking at you know different different ways of just basically like different ways of like carving up that kind of experience um and you know it just got really really exciting like and like i i I, we put it out there as sort of a provocation just being like okay we think this is like we think that this is kind of going to be an area of growth and and i i believe it's an area of growth because i i do think that even as things return to normal like people like you and me are, are going to be a little bit more careful about jumping on a plane and maybe not even from health uh reasons just from like you know time with our family reasons you know like it's just i'm not like i'm not going to fly out to seattle um you know for for a two-hour meeting um so like I really am gonna, I'm gonna want the tools that that we're using um, to to be optimized to, to those experiences. So I, I think it's I think it's a really exciting area. I was I was super geeked to get to get into it. No, it's interesting when I when I I'd, uh, read it because you know obviously I think everyone is there's a bit of a burnout right now. Oh totally. I, I don't I don't care who you ask. Um, yeah. No one is no one's sitting there saying God I can't wait for the next Zoom call. Um, it, it's just it, it isn't there and. You know, but I think part of it too is you know some can argue about the burnout of Zoom, but I think the other thing is is there's a bit of a, a lackluster amount of content mm-hmm. that is served up through you know a virtual vendor or so on. So yeah, um, you know I think everyone is is relied on Zoom, and I think this is this is kind of to your point. I mean everyone's relied on Zoom to introduce something new. I mean the latest version is the you know the crazy bunny AR filters, you know, yeah. or, or the different backdrops, and and I mean it, you know you can only go so far with that and. And, and that that isn't exactly professional for um, you know a lot of calls, but yeah, um, you know I just that's just not the route to go, and, and I agree with you. So um, I, I never really kind of looked at it as to saying that there's a lot of growth opportunity. I think this is definitely interesting mm-hmm. um, to to think about for it. I still think it comes back to I mean if you're not serving up, I think everything we talked about, if you're not serving up really you know good content or 
you know, for that, I mean, the, the experience is still going to be lackluster no matter how it's presented. Yeah, so, I mean, the other the um, other thing that's worth noting too is that so we've been doing a bunch of these like corporate um, experience centers. Um, so the one that's on our portfolio kind of the, is uh, the WL Gore uh, Experience Center that we did. Um, they, they create Gore-Tex. So they so they have all these like sales experience centers where they'll bring in people to do uh, you know brand demonstrations. And, and we kind of treated it like it was a museum. So we, we treated it like a history or science museum where someone would come in there and they would give they would see the kind of the range of these Gore products and um, you know mm-hmm. get to experience them. And they had these like very like sort of like cinematic. Um, you know, that we did, we actually did a ton of content development, a ton of film for that project too. Um, but they would have these like very sort of cinematic interactive experiences and they're also all docent led. So there was like people there kind of guiding you through, um, it was like very theatrical. So what happened, like the other part of this was like, when it happened was all those centers closed, um, and people were going to travel to them. So that was also the use case that we were looking at. We're like, okay, well, you know, if you wanted to have that kind of experience, but you wanted to map it to digital to a digital channel, like, what do you do? Like, is it a really nice Google slide? Like, is that good enough? Um, like, what? Like, thinking about like all the sort of like the the the, the things that you can do in physical space, um, and like the sort of the inner the the agency the inner the the, the sort of exchange of ideas like. Um, like the, the, the sort of rapid, sort of like the, the rapid ideation, like like that stuff just wasn't available in those Zoom calls. Those Zoom calls were just totally stifling. So we're like, wow, you know, like what would the what what would the UX need to be for like a Zoom call to like to make it feel like engaging, um, you know, <laughs> and to and to and sort of also to sort of map some of those experiences that happen very normally in those physical spaces on into the digital space. No, it's, again, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting to think of because I had not really thought about it in that perspective. I, I think, you know, a lot of us had just sort of adapted to the tools that we were given yeah. or had. Yeah, and, and And you make the processes work versus, you know, trying to make the – trying to flip that statement, but trying to have the tools progress to the processes you want them to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that's the thing. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, I'm like a classic extrovert. So, like, for me sitting on a Zoom call where I can't participate in any way – or where I'm just like mm-hmm. sitting, like, and my, my son is the same way, like, you know, watching him, you know, watching the passivity of the, that's, that's imposed by these tools. Like it's, yep. it's just really hard. So like, you know, I, I think, you know, that's, that's really what we're looking at. It's like, well, how do these tools, you know, provide more agency? How do they, how do they make you feel like you're actually being um, <laughs> observed or in the, yep. or in the conversation? You know, how does it, like, how is there more of a, a quick exchange of ideas? Like, how do you, you know, more fluidly move between sort of like breakout groups and individual groups. Like there's all this sort of choreography um, that the tools mm-hmm. don't allow. And like, we're just like, yeah, we, we can fix that. And, and it's honestly not a, it's not a very different um, mindset than designing physical environments, which is, I think, you know, we're, we're fairly agnostic in terms of like, you know, how we move between digital product and experience design. Well, it's interesting, and, and it's it's a good read. Um, so, and I think Fast Company too, if I remember correctly, picked it up as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I called um, South by Southwest a clusterfuck. That was my my. I, oh, I, I had, uh, a, usually, I had like an hour usually. long interview, and that was my full <laughs> quote. So I was like, oh god. <laughs> and now I've repeated uh, it. We can go on that podcast. topic for a while. That's a that's another show. I, I would love to. Uh, oh yeah, but yeah, think about it. I, I think you could actually way. have. I mean, I was actually going to go to South by. I had everything booked in March. Um, but if you think about like, okay, what does one get out of a, a mega conference like that? 
Like mm-hmm. you could actually create something like with a Zoom type experience that would be so much more beneficial. That would be so that, that would be so much more optimized. There's so many more affordances in digital um, that are actually not available in a, in in honestly like a, a a clusterfuck situation like South by Southwest. Yep. I agree, and uh, we'll have to have a part two on that conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> over a drink when things return to normal. Exactly. Uh, a drink and, and barbecue. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. We can, we can do that. I love that. So. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It's, it's good, good stuff. I had I had to do it. It was it was see, so I'm you know the one in Brooklyn. Um, actually, I'm, I'm kind of sandwiched between both of them. So um, I like the one in Brooklyn, the original. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know the, the one in Fishtown is is certainly nice. A little it's bit a quite... little bit more. Um, uh, I don't want to say manufactured, but I mean it's uh, it's, a, it's, it's a replica. It's, it's a close replica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the uh, very clean alleyway versus what it is up in uh, totally in yeah. Williamsburg. So, well, it's always a pleasure to uh, to catch up with you. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for for jumping on. Um, yeah, have you let everyone know how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you guys, and learn more about Blue Cadet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, BlueCadet.com. Uh, we're we're there. Um, and then we also, I would say probably following uh, Blue Cadet on LinkedIn or following myself. So um, usually it's it's similar content, but it's very different take. So usually like the Blue Cadet channel, um, you know, we, it's 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 a more of the corporate presentation of, of what we're doing and, you know, links to the case studies. Um, and then usually I use my LinkedIn to like just kind of pontificate <laughs> on these projects. Um, and then sometimes like share a little bit more behind the scenes uh, stuff. And then we're also uh, on Instagram as well, or just, you know, yeah. Uh, shoot us a line and then you know we've we, we also do a lot of like webinars and events too so you know look look for us there awesome well again thank you and uh thank you for listening to this episode of the experience by design podcast i am always you can find me on open eye global on twitter and instagram and join me again as we continue to explore different perspectives on experience design till next time okay thanks brian